Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And if you would like more information about the CCB, as it is affectionately known, you can send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. A few weeks ago, I learned that a schoolmate of mine from back in the 1960s was diagnosed with stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Well, as soon as I heard that, I thought to myself, well, what the heck is the difference between Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? So I went on a bit of a, a research binge, and I came across the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. As a result of that, I got the opportunity to interview Netta Pajaman, the executive director of the Ontario region of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. One of the things that I didn't realize is that blood cancers are the fifth most common cancer uh, in, uh, in Canada. But when I stopped to think about it, I know a fair number, or I knew of, a fair number of people uh, with one of the blood cancers. That uh, schoolmate, for example, uh, as opposed to that, we know that Mario Lemieux dealt with Hodgkin's disease, and he is well rid of that. Uh, but I had a, a teacher with uh, multiple myeloma, and I had a, a brother-in-law who passed away with the same thing. I had a cousin with uh, leukemia. So you'd be surprised just about how many people you would know. Uh, so anyway, uh, I did get the opportunity to interview Netta Pajaman, and I'm going to play that now. Hi, Netta, and thanks so much for uh, coming on the program with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Can you tell us a little about lymphoma and what that means? Sure. So lymphoma is a general name for a group of cancers that affect the lymphatic system, which is a part of our immune system. And there's two major types of lymphoma. There's Hodgkin lymphoma and non-Hodgkin lymphoma. The distinction between Hodgkin's disease and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is, um, is distinguished based on the type of cancer cell. So it's a type of abnormal cell that's identified in a sample that helps determine whether a lymphoma is classified as Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's. Um, Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma are the fifth most commonly diagnosed cancer in, um, in Canada amongst adults. Wow. 
Um, and Hodgkin's lymphoma is, is the 19th most commonly diagnosed. So you definitely hear a lot more about non-Hodgkin's. Um, in 2020, uh, you know, we're estimated to have 1,000 new cases of Hodgkin's lymphoma and um, 10,400 cases of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. And I'd say that the key difference that you also will hear and see is um, in survival rate. So for Hodgkin lymphoma, the survival rate is much higher, and it's at 86%. Whereas non-Hodgkin's lymphoma currently have a survival rate of 68%. Okay. Now, when I think of, of cancer, I often think of a, a tumor. Uh-huh. So, but of course, you can't see a, a tumor even if it did grow in, in the lymphatic system. So how, how would anybody know that something was wrong? in many different ways. Um, you know, it, it's really hard um, to pinpoint one specific symptom, or it's even hard for me on the phone to say that if you have these symptoms, you might have, you know, a, yeah. a lymphoma. Um, I think generally um, it, it can show itself in many different ways, and ultimately it is a, um, a, a, a blood test. Um, that identifies whether you have those abnormal cells. Um, and, you know, sometimes it can be something as simple as a, um, a boil. It can be something as simple as really swollen um, lymph nodes that might trigger a person to go and, and see um, their, their doctor. Um, but, you know, it's, it's usually inconclusive until you do a, a, um, an analysis of your cells. Mm-hmm. Would that include a biopsy? Yeah, it, again, it really is dependent on the type of, um, of cancer. I don't personally feel qualified to um, speak to speak to what it could be that identifies it. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so I just don't want to misinform your, your, your viewers. No, right. I understand that. Thank you very much. So what is the work of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society? What do you do here in Canada? Sure. Um, let, me, let me set the stage a little bit and, and just share that um, there are several types of blood cancer. Um, there's uh, leukemia, lymphoma, myeloma, and Hodgkin. And within those four you know, parent strands of blood cancer, there's about 100 and. 27 different types Holy of blood man. cancer, uh, making, making blood cancer the fourth most commonly diagnosed cancer um, in Canada. And to, you know, put it into perspective and, and what those numbers even really mean, um, the most tangible way I can explain it is that every 23 minutes, a Canadian is diagnosed with a blood cancer. Wow. And so, you know, our, our organization's um, focus really is, is twofold. One is looking to the future um, of care and supporting research to ultimately get us closer to finding less harmful therapies, drugs, and a cure. And then the second part of our organization's mission is grounded in how do we support the blood cancer community today so that they can maintain a good quality of life. Mm-hmm. So um, our, our mission is grounded in um, finding a cure for leukemia, lymphoma, myeloma, and Hodgkin. 
Alliance, we're actually um, the only organization in Canada that is dedicated to all blood cancers. Mm -hmm. And then we um, support patients, healthcare practitioners, and caregivers um, to inform them, enable them, give them the resources that they need to navigate um, their journey. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, when you think about who we are as an organization, the first part of it is, is we fund research across Canada. Mm -hmm. um, we just a month ago at a time when research um, funding has, has really declined or is at a standstill altogether, um, as an organization, we decided to fund 50% um, of the grants for this year to 18 researchers across Canada to enable them to continue to keep their team together and, and move forward with their work. Terrific. But I would say, you know, the other areas that we've had an incredible impact is our COVID-19 Resource Center, which helps Canadians affected by blood cancer better navigate the pandemic. Um, you know, we have a peer-to-peer -peer first connection program that's available to those who want to speak to someone who's been through a blood cancer experience. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have a Your Life After Cancer program that can help survivors adjust to a new normal. Um, but really, you know, our aim as an organization is whether you're newly diagnosed, in treatment, or navigating life after blood cancer, we want them to know that the LLSC can support people at every step of their blood cancer experience. Okay. Uh, the, the treatment, is it usually chemotherapy? Yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic question. Um, chemotherapy, which was actually first discovered um, by blood cancer research in the 50s, is, is definitely the most common form of therapy today. Um, and that's not just with blood cancers, with a lot of um, different types of cancers as well. But there have been some incredible breakthroughs um, in blood cancer treatment in the last decade. There's been quite a shift um, towards uh, precision therapies, which is um, targeted drugs. So, for example, you know, chronic myeloid leukemia um, had the survival rate of 20% in 1980s. Um, and then there was a um, drug, Gleevec, that was brought into the market, um, which, you know, drastically improved um, a patient's response to treatment and increased survival rates from 20% to over 80% Isn't in, in just 20 years. And so yeah. while chemo, of course, is the most common form of, of therapy, you're also hearing a lot more today about CAR T-cell therapy, um, which extracts a patient's T-cells and um, uses it and uses the patient's immune system to reintegrate um, drugs and, and, and the therapy for the patient so that they can better respond to their treatment. So, you know, I think that that is where there's a lot of promise today, um, that we can move towards therapies that really use the patient's immune system um, as opposed to chemotherapy, which is a, you know, wipe, wipe all yes. approach. So, yeah, I, I think that... Um, I think that that is today where we are most hopeful and optimistic mm -hmm. um, because the other reality is that um, leukemia and, and lymphoma are the first and third most commonly diagnosed childhood cancers. And as you can imagine, there are repercussions to chemotherapy and radiation for a, um, for a child 
you know, we, we're talking about children as young as two or three that are undergoing pretty toxic treatments and therapies, mm-hmm. which leave a lot of, of, of um, cognitive and, and developmental um, challenges for, for the patients. And so um, today where we're really hopeful is, is that we can move away from from toxic therapies like chemo and move more towards precision therapies and treatments like CAR T-cell therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if children get the less toxic uh, kind of treatment, are they able to continue with their normal life, like school and that sort of thing, or do they need to be kind of hospitalized or kept away from other people so that they won't catch uh, infections that might be going around? Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting question. Um, We hear from our community a lot about this concept of life going back to normal. Mm -hmm. Um, Even for adults, um, young adults or children, um, you know, when you go through something as as intense and and life-altering as cancer, um, there are definitely a lot of challenges that survivors face. To be honest with you, you know, again, it's, it's hard to say that, you know, there's a one-size-fits-all um, reaction or, or, or outcome, but certainly children who undergo do have challenges integrating back into school. You know, there is such a thing as, as chemo brain. Um, a lot of children have to relearn how to talk, how to walk. Um, you know, they may look and feel different for several years after their treatment. Um you know, so it's not un- uncommon to hear within um, pediatric cases that there are challenges. Uh, we have several families who often share stories about their um, their their young ones having to relearn how to how to speak and relearn how to walk, um, and in the challenges that they have reintegrating back into school. But if anybody is listening that's interested in, in learning about these resources. Um, you know, they, they can certainly come to um, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society of Canada's website, and we do have resources for kids get blood cancer, um, kids get blood cancer.ca. Ah, okay. So, so there's two websites that people can make note of. Um, yes. I'll get you to repeat those uh, as we get closer to the end of the interview, just so. Um, people can uh, have the chance to grab a pen and paper or something like that. And yes, of course. And there's resources there for for parents, for kids, for teens, for teachers. Um, there's there's a great deal of resources that that, sh- that should be able to help um, people better navigate some of the hardships that come with with, um, with cancer. Okay. So blood cancer regardless of whether it's leukemia or uh, lymphoma or whatever it happens to be, um, can strike at any age then, I take it. That's right, yeah. I mean, I wish I could tell you that um, blood cancers discriminate, but they don't. Um, Blood cancer affects children as much as it affects adults, um, as much as it affects young adults and seniors. Um, Yeah, and... and, um, I always say count yourself lucky if you know if you don't know anybody who's been diagnosed with a blood cancer. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, our reality today is that it is one of the most common.
Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, I, what, what I will also add is that the Canadian Cancer Society last year released a study um, that highlighted that blood cancers are amongst um, the fastest improving. Really? Um, of Great. cancers, yes. Um, and, and today, more people are surviving their diagnosis um, than ever before, um, which is really encouraging and really promising. And 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 also, it, it can be a point um, of raising alarm for us this year. You know, there's quite a bit of momentum um, building within the, the landscape of research and, and new therapies and new drugs. And of course, COVID-19 has presented a lot of challenges um, for researchers in terms of funding and, and staying in the lab. And so today our organization is very, very heavily focused on raising the funds um, that we need to be able to um, keep these scientists in the lab and and hopefully not stop the progress that they've made in their research. Because really, at the end of the day, a patient's chances come down to what clinical trials are available, what drugs are hitting um you know, hitting the, the shelves of what oncologists can use. And so timing really is everything when it comes down to treating patients with blood cancers. Mm-hmm. And as you say, they are very common. I can think of four, four people that I knew or know of right off the top of my head without even really trying who uh, have had blood cancers of one type or another. That's right. Yeah, it's... It's um, it's it's a club you 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 wish you weren't a part of. Yes. You know, it's, it's 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 not a group that you know. I, I I wish it wasn't a group that grew year over year, um, but it is. Um, but you know, if I if I could segue to to that group and that community, that's also what makes our organization so special and so unique. Um, you know, we have opportunities to engage people at all stages of their cancer journey, mm-hmm. whether they are recently diagnosed, whether they're a caregiver, whether they're in active treatment, or whether they've lost um, a loved one to a blood cancer. There really is opportunity for this community to gather in multiple different ways, um, whether it's, you know, volunteering to be a First Connection volunteer whether it's participating in our webcast, whether it's joining our flagship event, which is Light the Night, um, which is actually coming up in a few days, um, that brings together, you know, over 30,000 Canadians across the country to celebrate, to remember, to show their support for the blood cancer community. And so, you know, I think, unfortunately, it is a disease that is affecting too many people's lives, but in a way, I think it unites us and, and, and creates a sense of um, community in a way that it otherwise wouldn't have. Yes. So when is when will Light the Night take place? So this year, um, in response to COVID-19, we have decided to do our first ever national broadcast, and that is happening um, Saturday, October 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, it, it's a truly remarkable event. Within our, our broadcast, we are going to have a remembrance ceremony. We are going to celebrate and recognize survivors across the country. 
we are going to show the thousands of, of people who have come together to raise funds in support of research and patient support resources. Um, so if, you, if anybody is interested in, in joining the broadcast, um, even maybe hosting a walk in Peterborough, you could visit lightthenight.com. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, this uh, interview will air two days after uh, okay. the Saturday, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and, and sorry, I, did, I should have said lightthenight.ca. But, oh, um, okay. you know, the, the reality is, is our events go all year, all year round, and so if anybody yeah. is interested, um, they're more than welcome to look into that on our website. Yeah, okay. And what other ways can people uh, volunteer for your organization? Any other fundraisers? Absolutely, yeah. We have um, a variety of styles of fundraising. As I mentioned, Light the Night is our, our most beautiful and, and, and our largest event of the year. Um, supporters hold red lanterns. Survivors hold white lanterns. Those who walk in memory hold gold lanterns. Oh. So that's something that's of interest um, People can go to lightthenight.ca. We also do have team and training, which is, um, you know, it, it's uh, a type of fundraising for athletes and, and folks who like to get active. We have options for um, communities to do their own style of event, create your own. We've seen hockey tournaments happen. We've seen big productions. Um, so really that's an opportunity for, for folks who like to have their own take on fundraising and their own style of fundraising. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, certainly the, the best place to start um, would be to go to um, LLSC, LLSC's website, um, LLSCanada.org, and um, explore all the different ways. Um, there is a form that can be filled out um, to express interest, and um, one of our incredible colleagues across Canada will reach out and what a perfect fit could be. Okay. Um, has, and now this is just a, a, a question that is kind of a, a little bit off the top, but uh, I can recall a number of years ago when um, Mario Lemieux from the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins had to deal with Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma. Does he help with uh, your fundraising efforts? Well, you know, um, we do have a partner organization in the U.S. that um, Mario might be involved in. Um, we have an incredible champion out of Max Perot, who is a Olympic um, snowboarder, I think a two-time Olympic um, silver medalist. Um, and Max actually was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma a year ago. Wow. And... Um, he today is a survivor, he's an advocate, a spokesperson, and, um, you know, does everything within his, um, within his means to raise awareness for our society. That's great. Yeah. Is there anything else I should be asking you about? I'll ask you about the websites in just a minute or two, but is there anything else that you wanted to add? Oh, great question. Um yeah, I think the only the only final thing I'll say is that um, it's really important to us at the LLSB that um, our community across Canada knows that they're not alone in their diagnosis, um, and whatever their comfort levels are with, you know, 
participating in, in, in information sessions or virtual conferences, there are several different ways um, to receive information. And we do have um, very compassionate and supportive community support managers in every region across Canada whose, um, whose focus and work it is to give people the information they need to better manage and navigate their diagnosis. So, you know, I would just encourage anybody who is taking care of somebody in treatment, um, in treatment themselves, or knows of a colleague or a friend who's in treatment, to let them know that they're not alone and that our organization is there. Um, we're accessible and available across Canada in, you know, over 170 different languages. Wow. So, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of resources. We have our National Leukemia Conference coming up in November. Um, and all of this information is available on our website. Um, and so, yeah, we really encourage people to let, let their community know that, that, that there's people out there who can appreciate and understand what they're going through and who are here to help them. Okay. So maybe uh, we could finish by having you uh, give us those websites again. The Leukemia Lymphoma Society of Canada's website is llfcanada.org. So that's llfcanada.org. We also have materials available at Kids Get Blood Cancers Too. And Light the Night um, can be accessed for anybody who's interested at lightthenight.ca. Okay. Thanks so much for being with us and giving us all of this information I know that um, there'll be many who are interested in this, and I'm sure that you'll get uh, uh, queries or, or whatever on, on your websites. Fantastic. No, thank you so much for having me and um, for, for doing your part for raising awareness for, for this very worthy cause. Okay. You take care, and maybe we'll chat again. Perfect. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was... A chat with Netta Pajaman from the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. There's so much to learn, isn't there? I think that's why I like doing this, because you can learn so much from an, an interview. We're going to reach back into the archives now, and uh, but not too far, only to somewhere in June of this year and uh, play uh, a demo that John Morris did of the Victor Reader Trek, which is the uh, next in a series of technical devices produced for the use of people who are blind or visually impaired. So uh, we're going to hear that in just a moment, but uh, first let's hear a song by John. Oh, and I want to mention, I'm very happy, congratulations to John and Lynn for getting back on the air again with uh, Jill's help. It's uh, nice to have them back as programmers, and their show, Country Spotlight, airs each Friday morning from 9 to 10. 
Here's a selection from John's CD that he did a few years ago called The Prison Door, and then we'll get right into his demonstration of the Victor Reader track. talking about a fantastic new product. It's been out, oh, maybe two, um, two and a half, three years, but um, this is a great um, device. First, before we get into any descriptions, 
um, about the product. I want to thank uh, the host of the um, Insight Peterborough, Devin Wilkins, for inviting uh, me back on here. Uh, we appreciate it very much, and we hope that you, the listeners, are going to enjoy this feature. Now, we're outdoors in a different um, type of situation um, rather than being on the sidewalk where we really should be, but this is going to work anyway. So, this product, let's get right to it. It's called the Victor Reader Trek. And what it is, is an MP3 player for the blind, a note taker. It's got internet radio capabilities. It's got podcasts. Uh, you can uh, put podcasts on it, like uh, podcast feeds. And um, you can listen to SD cards with your own private music collection or, bo or book collection. The cards, now here's an interesting thing. This Victor Reader Trek will take cards up to 128 gigabytes or more. I have one at our apartment that's got over 800 hours of music on it. This is a great product and you can you can purchase it through um, Humanware Canada and uh, it retails for approximately 850 $900, something like that. I got mine free last year when I got Casey. So I've already had it sitting here. So the satellites are up. So now I can do um, GPS things, okay? So, Volume 16. First of all, let's, um, let's see how we're doing. Info, three items. Explore. GPS, high. Battery powered, 44%. Speed, 0 0.1 miles per hour. Now, that's not its usual speaker. I put this speaker on it so that you could um, hear it. So now I'm out and I want to go somewhere. So I can um, check what's around me. There's different categories there's uh, landmarks, which is you can uh, stop.
store many landmarks that you can vocally put in yourself. Um, this is a great thing for when you're out learning new routes. You can uh, you can put your landmark in if you want to put in a garbage pail. Let's say if you've, you're like me, if you've got a guide dog and you got to get rid of a care package, you can, um, if you've came across a garbage can, you could even put that in and it will find it every time you're in that area. So, what's around? Nine items. One. Bus stop for John and Lynn's apartment. Edonics Road. Two o'clock. 141 feet. So, I'll go, I'll skip all the rest of the landmarks, because I've got, there's about nine that are here. And then I will uh, show you the categories. Explore. Okay, so I've gone past my landmarks, and now I'll press the right arrow key again. Extended search. Extended search. Now this is where you can have your fun. So I'm going to hit the key five. Heading north. Oops. Peterborough Park Hill Road West in front, 406 feet. Okay, so I made a mistake. Nine. Back in Extended search. Now I hit the select key to the right of the zero. Select search type. There we go. Two items. Search by category. Search by category. And that's where you have your transportation, food, health, uh, landmarks, banking, all these different categories. Or... Search by name. That is where you could go in and manually type in using the keypad. Say you wanted to go to Aviemore's. The restaurant. Well, it, it's probably in the food section, but say you don't know that, you could put that in there. So let's go back to... Search by category. Search by category. Select a category. 15 items. Landmarks. Transportation. Food. Ah, food. My favorite one. Let's go in there and... See what's around. Searching. Please wait. It's going to take a second to... Uh, I'll pause this. Please wait. Okay, so... They, it finally came up. So, this is the first Two. one. One. Subway Jackson Park. Restaurant. 655 Park Hill Road West. 7 o'clock. 919 feet. Now, if I hit the five key just lightly, it will give me um, um, manual. Uh, well, let's try it. Explore. Oh, shoot. 
Park Hill Road West. Okay, so Park, 885 feet. There's the subway, so here I go. No GPS coverage. Unfamiliar paths. Okay, I forgot a step, so I've got to. I selected that I wanted. Um, I wanted this place, so let's do. Um, let me get out of that again. Explore. Okay, I'm going to get that up again, and show you how to do it. What's around? Nine items. Or extended search. Select search type. Two items. Search by cat select a category. Trip food. Searching. Okay. Please wait. So, as soon as this comes up, see, uh, yeah, here we Subway, go. Jackson Park, restaurant, 655 Park Hill Road West, 3 o'clock, 861 feet. So, we've got the landmark, or the the restaurant name. So we want to go there. Press confirm to start instructions. Press and hold if in vehicle. Warning, no GPS coverage. Explore. Okay, we're going to try this again. I think I've got... This happens sometimes when you don't have the uh, full coverage. And we're, we're not really in an open area here, so we're lucky it's working at all. What's around? Nine item. Extended search. Select search type. Two I Select a category. Trip food. Banking. Food. Okay. Searching. Here we go again. Sorry about this. Come on. One. Subway, Jackson Park. Okay. Restaurant. So, 655 Park Hill Road West. So we want to park. So, 176 feet. Okay, so we want to go there. Walking. Let's see. Press confirm to start instructions. Press and hold if in vehicle. Pedestrian guidance to Subway Jackson Park. Please head north towards Hedonics Road with Park Hill Road West on your left. Street with no name in front and Park Hill Road West on your right. Okay, so let's imagine that we've done that. So I'll hit the six key. Heading off route. Okay. In 538 feet, turn right on Park Hill Road West. In 453 feet, destination on your right. And that's how you get there. Now, when you're walking, you don't have to use the key six and all that. You might be asking the question, well, why would I get something like this? I've got GPS on my cell phone. Well, that's true, except this is much, much, much more accurate. And it doesn't take up so much of your uh, data on your cell phone. This is so much better because in the this has um, actual buttons on it. 
just like the uh, stream does. It's laid out exactly like a stream. Okay, so I um, wanted to um, explain too, before I get into more of a um, description of it uh, and the different things, every client that goes to Leader Dogs for the Blind, whether it be to get a guide dog or for the uh, summer camp experience, um, they get one of these units. Um, if they're going in for guide dog training, they get one with their dog and uh, they've worked out an agreement with um, Humanware. Humanware um, provides um, provides the units, and uh, they train they trained people at Leader Dog on them, so that if us clients had issues we could uh, get help. Also, this unit has a complete map, or in this case, maps of North America. By, by accident, I um, downloaded 74 maps. <laughs> so anywhere you want to go, I can tell you how to get there if we're in the area. Um, so let's go back to what's around nine items one bus stop for John and Lynn's apartment okay so those those are the landmarks I've got well over 150 landmarks I think select search in here two items search by category also one of the new things that they're going to have is um, where you can be indoors at a mall or something like that. And you could find um, a store. Say you wanted, say you wanted, um, Ted's record store or something like that. You could um, you could find it. This new um, feature, I think it's called Beacon Locator, and so it can help you find stores in a mall. Now another great thing about the Victor Trek. Say you're walking and uh, you're in like um, an open area where there's not a lot of of stores or restaurants around, but there might be a couple. It used to be when you had the Trekker Breeze that it wouldn't work very well in an open area. This one does. In fact, remember before I said about the garbage can? 
if you had a garbage can that was in like a a breezeway or like an alley between two buildings, you could still record that and it'll find it every time you go past. So, um... Next intersection unavailable. Let's go. What's around? Nine items. Extended search. Select search type. Two on select a category. Transportation food. Let's see what's around search. here. We know subway is. Please wait. Now it's just going to take a minute or to... Oh, here we go. Subway, Jackson Park. Restaurant. 655 Park Hill Road West. 3 o'clock. 859 feet. Now, that's set feet. You can change the distance unit to kilometers and meters and and things like that, or feet and yards if you're in the States. It's, it's able to change. Two, country style, restaurant, 653 Park Hill Road West. Three o'clock, 0 0.2 miles. I think that might be gone. Three, Subway, Restaurant, 26 Hospital Drive, 8 o'clock, 0 0.6 miles. Four, Tim Hortons, Cafe slash Pub, 1 Hospital Drive, 8 o'clock, 0 0.6 miles. Five, Havenmore. Restaurant, 398 McDonald Street, 5 o'clock, 0.6 miles. So there, see, so you can, um, you can uh, find all, there's a whole, I won't go through the whole list, but there's a whole lot of restaurants, and when you change the locations, the restaurants obviously change, and uh, it's, it is, it is, um, it is a great thing, and uh, I'm just grateful that Leader Dogs for the Blind uh, provide these. Uh, it, uh, by the way, I was one of the first to get this unit uh, from Leader Dog. A lot of people have bought it before me, but I was the first the first to get it from Leader Dogs because they just started doing it in March and I got Casey on March 11th. When you record a landmark, unlike the um, Trucker Breeze, the, with that unit, the landmark recordings always went on the SD card. This does not. It goes right on to the hard drive of the Victor, Victor Reader track. You might be interested. How big? How big a, a memory does it have? It has over... 18 gigabytes of memory. 
so you can uh, put landmarks in, you can do podcasts, you can even record off of radio stations off this. Um, if, if, if you're listening to the radio and you, ooh, I like this program, well, guess what? You can record it and then you can move it to an SD card and uh, then you can put it on your computer or whatever you'd like to do with it. But this, this, um, I really, really, really recommend this unit, really. Um, even if I had to pay for it, I would, I would get one. It's, it's just, and what's great about it is in the winter time, you know, you're wearing mittens or gloves. Or you can still feel the big buttons because they are nice big buttons on this. So it's not like you'd be searching around on a, a touch screen looking for your location on the GPS unit. Future updates for the Victor Trek. Not only are they going to bring on the uh, beacon uh, software to help search indoors, but they're eventually going to have AM and FM radio capabilities. So say your favorite radio station doesn't have a website. Oh, it doesn't matter. You can go listen to it any, um, listen to it on the Victor track. But that's in an upcoming um, update. Let's talk about the updates. Unlike some specialized um, equipment for the visually for the visually impaired or blind these updates are all free you don't pay for them you turn on your Victor track and it'll say an update is available do you want it if you want it, hit the select key, and voila, there you go. It started, and then eventually you plug in your power code, cord, and within minutes, your download is done. Unless you're like me. Remember I told you about the 74 maps? <laughs> I didn't realize that I could choose one or two maps. So I got them all. And it took over 12 hours. <laughs> so uh, when you get your trek, don't make my mistake. Learn by it. Folks, I, I really hope that you have enjoyed this. I know I have really enjoyed putting it together for you. I'm 
sorry for the little hiccups here and there. But um, please, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to give me a call, and I'll do my best to answer. And if I don't have the answers, I will get them. Again, thank you very, very much, and uh, talk to you soon. Well, my goodness, I thought that I'd have time to play another selection from John's CD. Apparently not, though, because the clock is ticking onward. I think those CDs are still available, though, so if you want to get your hands on one, contact John. Before I leave, though, I did want to mention once again the special that I really like to do on the medical use of cannabis. I would like to find out from you, too, was it a positive experience? If not, what was negative about it? Were you prescribed the medication by a doctor or recommended by a friend? I don't need to know whether you're from Peterborough or not. And I don't need to know your last name, just a first name. We'll do just fine. And we'll uh, chat about it one way or another. Uh, and then I'll record the chat and string them all together. And we'll have ourselves a special. Thanks so much for listening this week. And I do hope that you'll join me again next week at the same time. Until then, stay safe and be well. Oh, and I must tell you the email address to send your comments to. InsightPeterborough at gmail.com That's InsightPeterborough at gmail.com Have a good week. Bye for now.